Hi everyone, this is episode 7 of season 3 and I have Matt Ram with me. Hi Matt. Good morning Catherine, you keeping well? I'm keeping very well, thank you. How are you? Yes, yes, not too bad. Apart from, you know, I'd just like to have some sunshine. On the yeah. basis that we might be stuck in this country until at least August, depending on which paper you read or which media outlet you read, then um, it's an awful long way away. But, but never mind, maybe the UK will do something. Absolutely, I think, I think we're planning on something like that as well. We are focusing on bowel cancer today, and like we usually do, we will be chatting about some statistics, what bowel cancer is, and what to expect when applying for insurance. This is the Practical Protection Podcast. So, Matt, I have been looking at some statistics, and I know that bowel cancer is something that is obviously incredibly important to you and sharing information about. Um, If I go through some of the stats first, and then I will um, give you a chance to chat about your side of things, if that's okay. Yeah, sounds great. Brilliant. So for anybody listening, cancer, um, well, bowel cancer is considered to be a cancer that affects the colon and rectum. It also can be called colorectal cancer. Something I found quite interesting when I was looking um, into this for doing the the podcast is that uh, bowel cancer is the fourth most common cancer in the UK and the second biggest killer as well. The main risk factors um, for somebody developing bowel cancer would be um, being over 50, um, having a family history of bowel cancer, any polyps in the bowel and things such as um, quite extensive inflammatory bowel diseases such as Crohn's or ulcerative colitis or potentially type 2 diabetes. Now I know you've got quite a lot to share Matt, would you like to share your story with us please? Yeah absolutely, well um, as you know we've spoken about you before, um, I have a history of uh, bowel cancer myself and um, I was diagnosed uh, 12 years ago. Um, I'm still up and running and uh, generally fit uh, 12 years later. So I was one of the lucky ones. Um, I'll give you a bit bit of background because I think there are some some pointers here, at least with people's general health, at least. Um, I went along to the doctor with um, one symptom, one symptom only, and that was bleeding from my rectum. Um, it's quite obvious that um, to me that I had hemorrhoids, uh, piles in other words, Um, but nevertheless, uh, particularly maybe with a a degree of uh, medical knowledge that I have, um, rather than just um, take that diagnosis as was, I went along to the GP. Um, I always remember this GP being very young lady. She, I think she was new out of, um, out of university, qualified GP, obviously, but very new, very young. And uh, always, um, she was a locum GP for our local surgery. And um, I always remember thinking, goodness knows, the poor lady's going to have to do a digital rectal examination on this old man, old dish man, I should say. Um, but she did. And um, God bless her for that. I wish um, I'd know him, known her name. Um, I always thank her as the way things turned out. Either which way, um, she got me off to the uh, consultant, a consultant surgeon um, at the time. And um, yes, he confirmed um, piles and said, oh, come in any time you want to, just have them bandaged, treated, in other words. Yeah. And I said to him, well, you know, that's, that's all well and good, but I'd rather have a colonoscopy. Now, colonoscopies, aren't, I think the general public, 
maybe other listeners, um, probably think having a colonoscopy is quite a, a horrendous experience. But now I've had quite a few, and I can assure you that even the first one, apart from what came out of that, um, they're not too bad at all. You are sedated a little bit, um, and it wasn't uncomfortable. Strange feeling, but but not uncomfortable at all. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I said to him, look, can I can I have a colonoscopy? Because I'm not really sure about this. To which he said, well, we don't need one. Um, however, if you're even going to insist, yeah, come along. Um, because it wasn't seen as um, important, if you like, um, Two months later, I went for my colonoscopy, and I remember this day extremely well because uh, I was on the table, and the um, scope um, was at my backside and sedated. But I remember the guy, uh, who was actually another consultant, suddenly stopping, and there on the screen, right in front of me, was this most amazing-looking. I don't know what, what I thought it was at the time. All I can really say is I remember it looking like a, a cauliflower. Okay. Quite, and, uh, quite, dare I say it, about a tumour, but quite a beautiful looking thing. Um, it's very, very odd feeling. Either which way, um, cut a long story short, the, that was the beginning of my, uh, my cancer journey. Um, I taken into hospital. And again, they weren't uh, in a rush to do anything, but um, taken into hospital uh six to eight weeks later that was after various scanning techniques because obviously they want to see whether it spread yeah. um, beyond the colon um and those were clear um, i'll come back to that yeah. um anyway anterior resection of the bowel normal normal um, way of dealing with this type of thing um surgery went okay obviously it wasn't didn't feel too great to start with there's a lot of morphine etc but you know it's one of those things um the bad news came for me anyway particularly as an underwriter when in fact um i went to see the surgeon and he had the histology uh, of the uh, of the the tumor they cut out and sadly i say sadly unfortunately it was a stage 3a so what had happened there was uh, we'll talk about staging a little bit later, but then yeah. we have a 3A straight in. Um, what had happened was that the tumour had eaten its way through the, the bowel wall in totality and had gone into, in, uh, into one of the, the local lymph nodes. Okay. Now, it's interesting, I'll also go back to the fact that the scan didn't pick that up. That was only when they went in and cut the tumour out and did the, the, did the histology. Yeah. Um, I must admit, that was probably the first time um, I was a bit upset about the diagnosis before then. Um, wasn't too wasn't too bad really, because um, I was fully expecting to get a, a stage one, maybe two, but not a stage. Probably a stage two, to be honest with you, by the size of the tumour. Um, but I suppose uh, as well, having all your medical knowledge, because sometimes we find that in our team is that obviously we don't have the same medical knowledge as said as yourself, and as, as obviously quite a lot of underwriters. But with the knowledge that we have, and sometimes you see symptoms and you see different things, you kind of almost do think, "Hang on a minute, I remember a client yeah. that had this, and this is what happened, and this is what happened, and this is the treatment they had to have." And you do almost kind of almost start to, in a sense, probably self-diagnose a little bit. So we have to be very careful, obviously, not to, to do that. But for you, obviously, in your experience, hearing, obviously, the stage 3A, I mean, that's that's going to have, obviously, sorry, brought home a lot of things from you that you've um, faced um, during your during your work. Very much so, yes. And bear in mind, um, 
by the, the, the history and experience in, in claims, yeah. death claims and critical illness claims, as well as income protection, obviously, then yes, it does bring home um, uh, a lot of the... And to be honest, as a claims person, you, you see, and as an underwriter, because you see people who survive, hmm. um, even, even stage four cancers and stage four um, are, are the worst cancers in terms of um, the fact that they've spread. Yeah. And they survive and people can survive. Sadly, um, some people don't make it. Um, but but there we are. Nobody nobody ultimately knows why that um, uh, why one person with a stage three A cancer will live a long long time, and somebody else with stage three A cancer will die tomorrow. I'm yeah. oh, sorry, I'm a bit exaggerating. Will die within a few years. Yeah, um, it's, it's, that's quite remarkable. Um, so. I was uh, stage three. I got a little, got a little bit um, tearful at that particular time, but soon got over that um, and uh, marched on towards chemotherapy, of which I had to have eight cycles, okay. um, two hours at a time in a local hospital. Um, and I'll be honest with you, um, the, the, the first one or two weren't too bad at all. Didn't feel, but once it got to uh, three, four, five. I felt absolutely awful, okay. um, and I have to say, it's probably the worst felt physically, not so much mentally, but physically, uh, incredibly ill. Okay. Um, it's one of those things you really mind over matter, whereby you, you have to think this is this is good for you, this is good for yeah. you. You hope, um, and then it were six, seven, and eight. Um, in fact, to be honest with you, I, on the sixth, seventh. The eighth one, you, you, you've got the finishing line in sight, but certainly sixth and seventh, I wasn't going to, um, to, to continue the chemotherapy. I felt so, so ill. Um, and it was my, my dear wife who um, twisted my arm to, to continue going. So yeah. good on her. Absolutely. Um, one so, thing I was just wondering if I could quickly just sort of pop in and ask there if that's okay. Um, so obviously, I think a lot of us have all heard of chemotherapy. A lot of us know what chemotherapy is in the sense of chemotherapy treats cancer. But I'm just wondering if you can actually explain what it is. Is it something that, um, it, you know, is, is it um, a, a kind of an image of the, that's like a tube going into an arm, but there's something put through the body? Is, is that what it is? Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, there are some extremely exciting modern improvements with uh, with uh, with treatments and immunotherapy and so on and so forth. But yeah, it's it's. I mean, it, put, to put it plainly, it's it's poison. Okay. I'm putting it very non scientifically. Yeah. But it's, it's a poison which um, kills the cancer cells. One of the challenges is it also kills normal cells. Yeah. But um, effectively, yeah, it's chemicals that are pumped into the body and uh, helps, particularly with chemotherapy. You normally see chemotherapy, and certainly with bowel cancer, when it's when the staging gets to three to four. In other words, it's the cancer has spread. Yeah. Okay. And then the the, the impact of the chemicals is that they will they float around the blood body in terms of the bloodstream and uh, seek out cancer cells in particular, but also unfortunately healthy cells as well. So that's, that's effectively what it does. But as being a, if I can use that term, which is very, very unfair for chemotherapy really, bear in mind what it does. It is a type of poison and yeah. the, the symptoms that you can get from it 
uh, can be pretty severe. I do know people who um, have had chemotherapy and they've been pretty good. Yeah. They don't have the side effects. But with me, um, I, again, it's one of those conversations you'll remember forever. But when I went to see the oncologist, so the surgeon had done his piece yeah. with me. Um, in other words, he'd removed the tumour as, as best he could. So the next stage with a stage 3A, i.e. one that has spread, is for chemotherapy yeah. to do the treatments I've just outlined. Um, and the guy said to me, lovely guy, lovely, lovely doctor. And uh, he said to me, well, with, with your staging, you've got a 50% chance of living five years. Yeah. A one in two chance. And he said, I, I can give you um, a drug, and, but I can give you, also give you a, a combined chemotherapy. Um, and this will take you to, from memory, the, the, the first drug took me to something like 60. They, 55, 60, and the second drug would add another 5 to 10% on chances of living. But he did say the second drug um, will make you feel ill. Yeah. So what would you like to do? He, I always ask the direct question. With Theresa, my wife sat next to me, you know, which, which one do you want to do? And I think anybody, particularly being a dad, um, and I'm relatively young, I was actually 48 when this happened, um, you, you take the one that's going to give you the best chances. Um, so we went on from that, um, and as I say, that that was finished two weeks before Christmas, um, which was a it was kind of a nice early Christmas present, if you like. Um, you have to stay off work for three months uh, while your immune system builds back up. Yeah. So I did that, um, started work in March, April the following year, and and the rest is history. Really, I've been very very lucky. Five years of follow up. Um, with with the doctors, um, that was always clear. So very very good good news there. Um, and I've done a few tests myself, um, blood tests, which shows up tumour markers in yeah. the blood. Um, those those are done privately, and they've always been normal as well. So um, really? I'm a very very lucky man. And of course, it's not today's topic, but the uh, the the other uh, angle on all this is three years after I was diagnosed with. Uh, bowel cancer um, my wife my dear wife was diagnosed with breast cancer mm. um, so it, it was quite a time really yes. now there might be people out there saying well well Matt you're an underwriter you have knowledge of insurance did you have insurance and the answer to that is yes we did we did have critical illness policies both of us on single life basis and um, all I can really say there is I and mean, they weren't huge policies but it did provide that degree of comfort if you like that um you know in terms of the in, in terms of the uh, the day-to-day expenses etc 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 there was that money in the bank and um in terms of life insurance yes absolutely got a, got a fair amount of life insurance and we also have income protection insurance so we were lucky but it's you know i'm in the business we're both in the business, yeah. Catherine. So we know these things happen, and um, you know, Absolutely. we're prepared. So really, that's that's my story. Um, the, the one thing I would probably sum that up by saying is that if you f- ever feel that you disagree, you disagree, or you want a second opinion from a from another doctor, um, and to put your mind at rest, I would always go for it. 
Yeah. I wouldn't think doctors know everything. They're only human beings just like us. Um, and very, very lucky that I went with my instinct because maybe one year, maybe two years later, um, I wouldn't be here now if I'd have, if I'd have left it. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I think that's a, that's one of the things that was going to sorry, be one of my key takeaways from this really is that that knowledge. And I think as well, that's something that, you know, some people may go, well, obviously, again, you know, Matt, you've got so much experience, so much knowledge on the medical side of things that you have that confidence to turn on and say, no, actually, I want you to be doing a proper check of this. I'm not messing about, um, yeah, which you know, is really good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that that's that's really powerful for people to take away. And I, I know, obviously, again, it's not this um, it's the subjects of this one, but obviously I, I'm quite open about the fact that I have hypermobility syndrome. Yes. Um, I had it, um, I, I have the not so nice version of it in the sense of I have hypermobility syndrome, but I am, some people have it and they're just quite bendy. And, you know, obviously that's yeah. fine. I'm bendy, but I also can um, potentially break and sprain more easily than other people. Um and you know we had with my mum you know she was just when I was little she had so much going on basically just saying to the doctors you're not listening this isn't right there's something going on and she just kept going and going and going at them she was accused of Munchausen's and so many different things you know and it's just the case of you know sometimes you do just have to really stick with your gut instincts and and really force forward with that so I'm, I'm obviously I'm sure that everybody listening as well as me is really grateful that you you put your foot down Matt with that and um, and that obviously as well I know you were given I know you said about five years or so but obviously that you've you've absolutely smashed that time frame <laughs> well I think as I say it's, there's there's a degree of, um, of completing that chemotherapy thanks to my wife yeah. there was also, there's also a degree of luck um, in there as well there's, there's no two ways about it the um, example I mentioned about um, somebody dying a couple of years after diagnosis of a 3A was actually a true story. Yeah. Um, a friend of a friend, a lady, um, she was a little bit younger than me at the time of diagnosis, um, but she died three years later. Right. And I always remember presenting at um, a reinsurance uh, seminar in, well, London and Dublin for that matter, but either which way. And uh, I'd mentioned this fact and a, a doctor, a young doctor um, got up and said, that is what we need to find out. Why? Yeah. Why didn't that survive, and why didn't the other lady not? Absolutely. I'm sure, we'll be down to genes and other factors called luck. But either yeah. which way, no. I'm a, I, but thank you for all those kind words. You know, but I have to say, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lucky yes. man. Well, I think if we if we sort of like do so, you know, helping advisors and underwriters who may be listening so if we can go through some of the key things there so with bowel cancer what are sort of the main symptoms and I know this is obviously really important what you said as well is that you had one symptom so you don't have to have all of these but it's just one symptom that you had um what would be the main symptoms for it well bleeding is, is certainly a, a major one and um bleeding you should always go and see a GP end of don't feel embarrassed um certainly ones that you see in, in terms of the nhs sites and so on and so forth are, are changes in bowel habit um now that is a difficult one to to, to really say whether that's because you had a lovely curry the night before or something some kind yeah. of food that didn't agree with you but i think the the, the key the, the red flag there or the orange flag maybe is the fact whether that um, this change in bowel habits lasts 
over a period of time, maybe maybe up to a month. You know, everybody has a bad stomach now and again, but if it's if it's you've got a change over a month, then go and see your doctor. Again, unexplained weight loss is a, it's an absolute classic. Um, but with bowel cancer, um, it's it's not an obvious feature. It doesn't happen that often that you get a rapid and unexplained weight loss. But nevertheless, it is something to bear in mind and, and, and um, uh, think about in the round, if you like. Mm. Um, again, tiredness. Um, everybody gets tired, uh, particularly in the world that we live in. Mm. Um, but if this if this lasts over a period of time, then again, that is a that is a, a, a an indicator that there might be something wrong. I think with the tiredness, that that could well be linked to um, uh, iron deficiency, which is another common finding, to be honest with you, in, yeah. in bowel cancer. And when you first go for a, a, if your doctor is worried about you that you might have a problem, then they will often take a blood test and look at your, uh, your, your the amount of iron. If you're bleeding internally, then the amount of iron will go down, and yeah. that will certainly um, not help with tiredness. And there's there's the kind of obvious one, the pain in lumps and bumps. Um, again, not necessarily um, easy to tell unless it's extremely obvious. Uh, and sometimes you do need a, a, a medical person just to, or, or a partner for that matter, mm-hmm. just to have a feel um, in your abdomen and, and just get a get a get a, another view. Um, I think those are probably about it. Um, I, interestingly in terms of this isn't really a symptom but the the overweight being overweight is often linked with with or increasing the chances of bowel cancer as well okay Um, but we can talk about that one later yeah yeah of course i think what the what really stands out about those is that obviously bleeding you would you would guess that most people would if this yeah. all blood would probably think right okay this is probably you know hopefully they've been told at some point if you ever have blood coming out of your bowels then that's really something that's you know obviously you need to get checked out but the, for the rest of the things that like you were saying it's it's hard sort of like because I think sometimes people brush off some of these things sort of like saying well it's this kind of thing of well changing bowel habit oh well that could be anything you know I mean everybody has a change of bowel habit you know oh well the tiredness well I've got kids of course I'm tired and you know and I, I think it can be quite difficult sometimes to pick out because as well, when you, as, you know, I'm sure I'm not the only person as well, where sometimes you've had symptoms and you've gone in onto the uh, online checkers with um, everything. And um, I've done it before with the NHS or something. And I've put in like, what would I think would be quite a mild symptom of something. And it just says straight away, you must immediately go to A&E. And you kind of, you know, think, well, yeah, you know. I, I completely agree with you. It's, um, it's, it's a dangerous area, I think. Yeah. In terms of media reporting and so on and so forth, but you know, I, I think a lot of us know our bodies. Yes. And if there is a symptom, no, no matter what it is that is not normal for you and it persists, get on that phone to your doctor. Absolutely. They can, you know, and, and and they, I'm sure, will be delighted to delighted to help. And I don't think any 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 symptom that persists for a while, they're not going to think you're wasting their time. No, no, I would agree. So get down there and, and, and get checked out as soon as possible. That's the key. And we'll, we'll talk about this later, I'm sure. Yeah. But that's the key with cancer. I know everybody will know this time and time again. Get it early and your chances of survival increase dramatically. Absolutely. So don't put it off. 
And when it comes to um, obviously the diagnosis of cancer as well, there's obviously quite a few different medical terms um, that fly about. And uh, I think sometimes as well, you know, obviously, I know underwriters probably learn this quite early on. And I think a lot of advisors come across this, but it is something that can sometimes um, throw people sometimes in, in terms of what, what on earth do all these numbers and letters mean? Um, I was just wondering, just I know that you've, uh, you were saying before that um, to me that there's quite a few different kind of classifications of, of cancers. But I think some of, the, some of the main ones that we tend to sort of like see when we're looking at things um, are obviously we know the terms staging and grading, but there's also something known as um, the TNM, so that's um, Tango November Mike um, system as well. Could you just go through that for me, please, and explain what it means? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if I take a step back from the question, just to start with, um, doctors have developed uh, staging systems, if you like. Um, I think the earliest ones in the 1920s, 1930s, particularly for, for all cancers, but there's some specialist ones for bowel cancer. And this really is all about, um, from a doctor's perspective, um, is how really to proceed with the treatment of a cancer. Okay, so it's very important for them to, to have an idea. And the most obvious um, scenario would be if the, the cancer has spread, then they will treat that differently to whether it was completely localized. So these, these things have been developed with, with um, treatments in mind. Uh, the TNM classification certainly is a, is a very well-known one, and certainly as um, an underwriter, this is an incredibly valuable tool. It's very valuable to a, to a doctor. It's also very valuable to, to um, an underwriter who um, will, will take it in the context of um, what's the level of risk that they are actually looking at here. So in terms of the, of the TNM, mm. um, the T really stands for the size or the extent of the primary tumour. Okay, um, it's interesting that uh, now there seems to be uh, at least seven or eight different categories for uh, the T element. For instance, a TX, doctors, you know, this is important to know, but TX actually stands for a tumour that cannot be assessed. All and right. of course that's important for, for the eventual outcome and the way that somebody is treated. Yeah. Uh, for instance, TIS is carcinoma in situ, which is very, very low, low, low grade cancer. Mm. Uh, well, I'll call it a cancer. TO, no evidence of tumour. Mm. And then the rest of them really are around whether the um, tumour has eaten through the, the lining of the, um, the, of the bowel. And that goes right down to T4, which is where that the, the tumour has uh, grown outside the lining of the bowel wall. If I go back to my my uh, example, um, I was a I was a T four. Okay. okay. Catherine, does that sound okay for? Yeah, yeah, absolutely fine for the tumour one. So just sort of like a probably a quick summary, because I, I found this on Bowel Cancer UK. It was a really, really good resource for anyone to yeah. look at. So if someone's told T1, that means the tumour is in the inner layer of the bowel. T2 yeah. means that the tumour's grown into the muscle layer of the bowel. T3 is that it's going into the outer lining. And then the T4 means that it has gone through the outer lining of the wall. Um, so I think that's probably just a, a good little summary for everyone to, to maybe understand um, those side of things. So, okay. so the N now starts to go on to the, to the next bits, doesn't it? I think the next stage of assessment is it. That, that's right. N stands for nodes. 
And uh, that's really uh, looking at the degree of spread to the regional lymph nodes, so the lymph nodes that um, all lie outside the colon and throughout the body for that matter. So this is where the tumour um, is eaten through the bowel, excuse the term eaten, um, yeah. but spread into the lymph nodes. Now, with somebody who has not, um, it's localised within the bowel itself, we'll get an N naught, okay? Um, N-O-N naught. Again, you've got the categories of N2, N3, um, and effectively, my cancer, to use a um, to, to use the example again, was an N1. Okay, you also have heard me mention it as a stage three A. This is where these things, these these stagings uh, lie against each other. Yeah. Three um, B is two, by the way, in the classification that uh, that, that was used with me. Okay. Three uh, A and three B. Sorry. Uh, yes, that's right. Um, but again, N two um, is is where. In fact, it's it's four or more. Okay. Yeah. Again, it's important there. You, you're nearly always going to get chemotherapy for, with bowel cancer for when the cells have spread into the lymph nodes. Okay. You know, to the to the eye, um, it's pretty difficult to know. Well, in fact, it's impossible to know where those little cancer cells have spread. In the body, yeah. hence why you have chemotherapy. But here, uh, the histology would show. So under the microscope, um, what happened with me, let's say, is that the they, they, they took out the lymph nodes around the bowel, mm. and then they they took opened up um, four lymph nodes, one of which was crammed with um, cancer cells, but the other three looked to be clear. But I do use the term looked to be clear. Yeah. That's why you have chemotherapy, because these things are so tiny, they can disappear everywhere and you don't know. And that's, again, another reason why you're followed up subsequently. Kathy, do you want to say anything more about Catherine? Did you just want um, to say well, anything? I had a question in a sense. So for yeah. me, so lymph node, again, I've heard of lymph nodes, kind of know what they are, but I also kind of don't know what they are. So if somebody said to me the heart, the stomach, you know, the kidneys, I can go back to sort of like GCSE you know biology and things like that in my mind I can think oh it's, yeah it's going to look like that and it's going to look like this and same with muscles and things like that but I actually don't know what a lymph node is is it like a little ball or yeah it's a node so whatever whatever that conjures up in the mind um, and effectively it's the, it's the drainage system they contain lymph um, and that, that's the, the body's draining system to 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 get rid of unwanted materials if you like oh. So that's why if it spreads, it's seen as it can then, because I believe with the lymph nodes, it can spread quite far in the body. Is that correct Absolutely. in a sense? Yes, the body is crammed with lymph nodes because the, you know, all the organs need draining of yeah. the material. And um, yes, once it gets into the lymph nodes, it can travel very fast. Okay. So again, that's why I mentioned that I was a lucky man. No, no, of course, no. And, okay. and the is next that, bit is the, yeah, yeah. that's absolutely... That's really good for me, I think. And and the next bit we have is the M. <laughs> yes, again, uh, metastases. So that is where the um, cancer spread to uh, beyond the lymph nodes. Um, it's often people think it's, it's travelled distantly in the body. That's another way of looking at it. But technically, it's beyond the lymph nodes. Um, and with bowel cancer, um, the the most common site for, for metastatic spread is the liver. Okay. Um, you could also, the uh, the spine is another area. 
um, the, the lower spine. Um, also, you know, once the cancer has spread an awful lot, then lungs, brain, etc., etc. Yeah. The primary area that the doctors would look at initially would be the would be the liver. That's that's where it'll settle and okay. um, start to the cells start to multiply in a random way, which is of course what the cancer cells do, and uh, it impacts the function of the of the liver. Okay. So that's that's um, what metastases are all about. And in the context of me, sorry to keep on talking about me all the time. No, go for it. But, um, to, just to bring back the, the, the live study, if you want. Yeah. So T4, N1, M0. That, okay. That was me. And hopefully that gives you um, a, a, an idea. Yeah, um, absolutely. So M0 means that the cancer hasn't spread to other parts, is in the sense of it's right. it's not it's it has. So we know from you that the it was N1, so it had started to go into the lymph nodes, but it had been caught in time, so it hadn't gone elsewhere. So that was M0, and M1 would be that the cancer has spread to other parts of the body. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So so that's a very quick run through. And as I say, it, again, these these um, tables were not developed by underwriters at all. Yeah. But the underwriters have kind of piggybacked on them, if you like. Um, the primary use is for treatment, how doctors will treat treat you. Yeah. Um, but because the treatment is a good indicator of the prognosis, how somebody will do in terms of being cured or not, then the underwriters will look at these and take them um, very, very seriously indeed. And if, if, if um, the, the guys listening, the people listening, um, ever come across a client who has cancer this if if the client knows and quite bizarrely quite a, quite a lot do yeah. in my in my opinion when I, do, when I do tele-interviews and so on and so forth people know straight away what their tnm is or was yeah um, that's that's an essential part of the underwriter's <clears throat> uh, book if you like in, in order to um to, to take things forward with the case if you can get that information excuse me, right up front, I'll save a lot of time later on, and management expectations as well. Absolutely, and no, I completely agree. Am I right in thinking that with the metastases, you wouldn't have metastases if there hasn't been lymph node involvement? That's a very good question. With bowel cancer, I believe the answer to that is no. Okay. Um, I would think there could well be other types of cancer where that could be the case. Okay. No, bowel just cancer, an interesting question for that. So we've just gone through, obviously, the TNM system. I know there are some other ones as well. But um, I think a lot of us will be um, most familiar with hearing the, the term staging and grading. Um, and, and I think from an advisor's point of view, that's possibly what they've heard from, from clients the most. Um, could you just quickly, in a sense, give us, it's very similar, I think, the staging to what we were just talking about with the T system in many ways. Um, but can you just give us a bit of a rundown about what, what staging means and what grading means, please? Yeah, certainly. Oh, the staging really is um, against a system, okay, um, which effectively means uh, how and if the cancer has spread. It's just a, it's a simply a way of recording um, the the way that the cancer has spread from its primary site, um, and certainly uh, stage stage one is going to be the best. Um, it goes through stages two, three, four, if you like. And again, it's, it's, it's similar ground that um, 
stage one, as I said, hasn't spread outside the, 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 the organ, if you like, that's uh, where the cancer has originated. Uh, stage two, um, it's, it's moved into the, uh, to the outer layer of that particular organ, a bowel wall in, in terms of today's topic. Mm-hmm. Um, again, stage three, cancer has spread to nearby lymph nodes. And stage four, uh, the cancer has spread to other parts of the body. So you've got a familiar theme there, I think, yeah. from TNN classification. And as I say, stage literally is, a, is, a, is it's almost like an administrative term. Um, it's not a technical term per se. Um, for how this, the cancer has developed from its original site to, worst case scenario, other parts of the body. In terms of grading, um, this is a little bit more technical, I suppose, again, very simple word, but it's really how the tumour itself um, has developed. Now, cancer is, is, again, simply put, is where the... the the replication of a cell within the human body is, uh, is, is, is very uniform, it's slow, um, and uh, it, the, the cells don't break away, uh, really, um, to other parts of the body. Now, with a cancer cell, it's, and this is where the, the grading comes in, um, can, I think I was reading an article the other day where it said that a, a, a cancer cell under a microscope looks like, looks like a wild forest because right. it's replicating all over the place um, and, and it's, it's, it's completely random as opposed to a normal cell, which is which is very uniform and, and steady, um, which is an interesting um, analogy, but there we go. Now, in terms of grading, if a cell hasn't particularly... Uh, it has shown signs of change, but certainly hasn't got to the, the wild forest uh, scenario, then you'll call that a low grade. Okay, so they, so effectively the cancer cells are very similar to normal cells. Um, and you'll hear the term well differentiated for those. In terms of um, the next grade, and this is where the cells start to look more abnormal. So a minor abnormality, you could say is well differentiated grade one, and they become more abnormal, um, then uh, that would be turned to grade three. And when the cancer cells, the, the wild forest analogy again, sorry, I'm rather boring right. today. No, um, I like wild forests. Well, obviously, not <laughs> wild forests, but I like wild forests. It's making it sound quite nice, actually, which is. <laughs> Oh yeah, I did. I did say my team looks um yeah interesting. Yeah, strange <laughs> really. Um, but again, um, high grade. So you've got low grade, moderate grade, high grade. And these these are where the cancer cells um, look very abnormal. They multiply all over the place and and, and um, look totally ununiform. Um, and that's uh, uh, again uh, also termed as poorly differentiated. So. That's, I hope I've explained staging and grading. Grading is all about the cells and how they look, yeah. okay? One being the best, third being the worst. And in terms of the staging, that's really, again, um, I hope people can see or hear that there's similarities between T, N and M. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's whether the cancer is spread outside the organ of origin, the primary, the, uh, primary tumour, um, stage one, and then right through to... Uh, other parts of the body stage four 
Does, does that work for you, Catherine? It does. One thing I was going to ask about the grading is I know you said the grading is classed as like one, two, three, um, one being the, the least bad. That sounds terrible, grammatically. Yeah, no, you know, no, and three no, being the no, worst. Yeah. Are they sometimes referred to as, in a sense, A, B, C? Because I've sometimes come across people saying, you know, the cancer, you know, was stage um, that it was maybe one A. Like you say, you know, yours was three A. Yeah. So does that A, is the A just another interpretation or way of saying grade one? I have to say that the tumour classifications, you'd almost have to, because there are so many yeah. and they're developing all the time, you'd almost need to, to look them up in a textbook. Okay. But to, to answer the question as best I can, and as I say, these two things do change, yeah. um, then yes, I would say that is a, um, a, a, good, a very good place to start. Okay. No, One day would be good. Okay. Thank you. Um, and right, so probably the next thing is to right, talk about the treatments. Now, I know we've spoken a bit about surgery and uh, the chemotherapy. Um, I think we mentioned radiotherapy as well, I think. Um, are there any other kinds of treatments or what would you typically expect to see? I do appreciate that obviously with bowel cancer, there's quite a lot of the time I think it's, I'm, I'm hoping it's being caught earlier and earlier, but I do think it's, it's typical that it tends to be a cancer that's caught later um, yeah. down the line. Um, so what would you typically sort of like imagine that the would you expect your treatment schedule to be one that would be quite a, a standardized process yes I, I i believe it is um again um the these tables that we've been talking about tnm tnm uh, yeah. classification as well um staging grading they all they were all designed to to formalize treatment yeah okay um, and therefore, uh, as I, with, with bowel cancer in particular, surgery, um, with, with when it's metastasized or gone to the lymph nodes, then next stage down the line metastasized outside the lymph nodes, um, then chemotherapy is required. And we talked about chemotherapy earlier and, and, and what it does. The reality is, of course, it impacts all areas of the body. And that's where these little cancer cells can go to when, once, once they um, get out of the, uh, the, the, the organ of origin, if you like. Yeah. Um, surgery, yes, let's, let's cut the tumour out and all the surrounding lymph nodes in my case. I think from memory, I had 24 centimetres of colon taken out. Also a good amount. Um, that's um, a, a large amount. And it's, it might be worth saying, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I think with maybe some of the disability benefits of course which are in the marketplace mm. um in my particular case my tumor was quite low down in the bowel okay yeah. so it wasn't it wasn't a rectal tumor but it's quite low down in the bowel um and as part of, of the surgery i'd had most of my rectum cut out okay removed now it's i didn't have a stoma um, in other words, that's um, an, a colostomy uh, bag. Um, I, I missed that by about two centimetres, I was told, afterwards. Okay. Um, so I didn't have to go through that. And, of course, these things can be temporary as well. Let's, let's add that um, yes. to, the, to the discussion. Um, but going back to a little biology, um, rectum is where you store the waste before you dispose of it completely, yeah. waste matter in the body. And if you don't have one, that um, can be um, can be on occasions quite problematical. Yes. So it's something that, that may come up from an endocrinologist's perspective, looking at disability. 
Okay. Not for life. Given when we um, talk about life insurance, of course, people have to go through a, a, a postponement period, which I think we'll probably get onto. Uh, flag that with me, please. And yeah. uh, and then a rating schedule after that. Um, but it, it's it's it, it's an interesting one, really. What I'm trying to say is there that yes, I think my my life expectancy is pretty good at the moment. But that's not to say twelve years later on, I am. I, I'm still don't have some of the side effects from the surgery. Yes, no, so, I, I can appreciate. Hence the, the disability bit come out. That's why. That's why I mentioned that. And, and apologies to everybody if that's a little bit too graphic. But I think no, it's, I it's think important to know. I think. I think it's really important to know. So my dad had emergency surgery. Um, to um, it wasn't last. It not last December, the December before, um, to remove part of his bowel because he kept um, part of a complication when it seemed to be with his Parkinson's and different things was that he kept getting a twisted bowel. Yeah. So he had to have his part of his bowel removed and he has been fitted with a stoma. And, you know, there are lots of different things that actually, you know, stomas can be, you know, especially for my dad, it was, I'm convinced it was life-saving. Um, yeah. But, you know, there are potentially complications afterwards, which obviously insurers and underwriters would maybe be wanting to know about. And something that's quite interesting, I think, as well, is to, for people to sort of understand is that this is something we were told, but obviously if somebody like yourself who's had bowel cancer and they're going through all that treatment, in a sense, you're not just having the treatment for the cancer, you're also having to cope with the fact that somebody's played about with your bowels quite a bit. And from what I've been told, the bowels really don't like anybody fiddling with them. And they kind of go into a... The, the, we were told that basically if, this, if anything kind of like operation or anything's done on the bowel that the bowel kind of shuts itself down and kind of basically goes well we'll stuff you then if you're going to do this to me I'm not going to work anymore mm-hmm. um and that it, obviously it's it's quite a long time to for your body to recover from that as well it's not a the cancer is obviously a massive thing to be dealing with but also the bowel surgery is something in itself that is quite an intense thing for the body to be coping with at the same time yeah, but very well said. Very well said indeed. Yeah, no, I'd agree. It's uh, all of those things would be interest uh, of interest to an underwriter. I think when you get to life insurance underwriting, then hopefully a lot of those things will be sorted out by the time the person can actually get life insurance. Yes, um, but it's still something to bear in mind. Absolutely. Uh, Is your dad okay now, Catherine? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> he's, oh, sorry. He's, no, 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 no. He's he's good. He's just a bit of a grouchy old man and doesn't want to. Um, I'm going to have to. I have to keep prodding him or trying. I'm I'm doing that thing of you know, like sort of like, and he'll probably listen to this and he'll just agree with me completely. But I'm I'm doing that kind of thing of like, obviously, I'm the adult, but he's the he's the adult. Uh, you know, <laughs> he's he's my dad, and it's very weird to change that dynamic to suddenly be kind of like, no, you you are going to do this. And you are going to start moving <laughs> and you are going to eat healthy. <laughs> and at the same point, he's still his own man. And it's just like, well, I can't actually force him. But yeah. I kind of, yeah. But no, he's he's doing well. Thank you. He's um, he's obviously he's well recovered from the surgery and he's recovered um, well from his. Um, he had his deep brain uh, stimulation surgery. So he's recovered well from that. Excellent, excellent news. Absolutely. So I've got a little bit of a case study, not an extensive one to chat through, but just a quick one for advisors. So we've been approached by somebody that had been wanting to arrange some uh, 
some insurance for their company and obviously we were chatting away we were going through things and looking as well on their personal side of things as potentially options there and one thing that we did establish was that uh, about two years prior to speaking to us they had finished just well at that point two years prior they'd finished treatment for bowel cancer and they had what was known as a Duke's B4 cancer now I know that's a different system to what we've been discussing but that's just something maybe for people who are listening to maybe have a look up on that Yep, and yep. Um, what we were able to do was uh, look at him, obviously, the because what's a brilliant thing about group insurance is, um, is obviously assuming that the, the company is eligible, that comes in terms of obviously where they're located, the size of the company um, and, and a few other things um, that we were able to get that for him with a certain amount of free medical underwriting, which basically means that you don't need to to go into the to medical history and the insurer doesn't ask about it um, under certain levels. So we were able to arrange for the employees of the company to have £250,000 worth of life insurance to age 70. And that came to a premium of just under £70 per month. Um, Another thing that I wanted to just bring to advisors' attention as well is that there are potentially non-medically underwritten options. And I know that some advisors can be a bit so-so about those because there are obviously um, pre-existing exclusions for a certain amount of time. Um, Usually anything within three years prior to the policy starting is excluded until the person is at least two years free of symptoms um, and also even general follow-ups. But what can be quite good, um, certainly on the personal space with somebody who's had um, bowel cancer, depending upon, obviously, again, the staging and the grading, um, for quite a long time, it could be that with some insurers, there would be declined insurance or that they're going to be given particularly high per mil ratings. And and obviously, as an advisor, um, that isn't particularly easy to um, encourage somebody to have, depending upon how high the premium is going. And, um, And obviously, sometimes people just don't want that. And what could be quite good, specifically as well in this situation, is that sometimes people can be outside of the non-medically underwritten exclusion period. So they are covered for claims relating to the cancer and the bowel cancer on the non-medically underwritten options, whilst they are still potentially seeing particularly unreasonable premiums. I say unreasonable premiums. I'm saying unreasonable in the sense of somebody's budget, their allowance um, as to what they may be able to afford. Um, And so it can be a potentially a good option to look at. So even if you are, uh, if you're an advisor who's not particularly sure of those routes, or maybe doesn't traditionally like using those routes, some clients, some situations, um, they can actually end up being very, very beneficial. So that's us coming towards the end of this. So this has been absolutely um, brilliant, Matt. Thank you so much for going through all that with me. I think there's been a lot of medical information in there and obviously bringing it home to your own personal experiences has just been um, extremely helpful. So thank you. My pleasure. Well, next time I'm going to be back with Roy McLaughlin and we're going to be chatting about group insurance. If you'd like a reminder of the next episode, please drop me a message on social media or visit the website www.practical-protection.co.uk. And as always, please remember that if you've listened to this as part of your work, you can claim a CPD certificate on the website too. Thank you for joining me, Matt. Thank you. Thank you for having me. See you next time. See you next time. Bye.